Hello and welcome to the ITM podcast. ITM is the Institute of Travel Management, the UK business travel industry's not-for-profit membership association. This episode is brought to you in partnership with our great friends at Clarity Business Travel and thanks to Clarity, a brighter approach to business travel. So each time on the podcast, I'm joined by an industry expert to enlighten and inform our listeners. And today I'm delighted to be joined by the award-winning Natalie Gardner, (laughs) ITM Associate Director and, of course, Global Travel Manager at Electronic Arts. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you, Scott, for having me. Of course. So today we're going to be talking about the challenges of making great progress with your program with relatively limited resources Mm -hmm. and the importance of stakeholder engagement. But before that, let's have a quick recap of your glittering career so far. Oh, you say glittering, but I don't know. I'm in double figures now, which I always find quite interesting. I started on the leisure side for actually a company, Student Flights in Australia. And so when I came over to the UK, I fell into business travel at HRG and made my way up from a business consultant onto the buyer side um, through account management at CWT and then five years now in global travel manager at FEA. Excellent. And it does look like a, a role which is challenging and fun. It is very, very fun and certainly challenging, but what an amazing company to work for. Agreed. So, you know, ITM always promotes the importance of networking and working with the, with the community. And you always strike me as someone who is super well networked. What's the importance of that and how has that helped you? The importance for that came from being one person looking after the function of travel. And I think when people think of that, they also think there might be a sourcing or contracting or any of that. I am literally responsible for the travel ecosystem at EA. But I don't have anybody to, didn't have anybody at the time to work off with best practice or what does that look like. I'm a social person. And so joining ITM helped me buy other buyers, which then led me to other suppliers. I truly believe that there's like 99 of us in the industry and we should all know each other. So, <laughs> and it doesn't matter where you go. I I have people in Vancouver. I have people in San Francisco. Everybody moves around and everybody knows everybody. So it's important to make yourself accessible and approachable, but also know how hard these events are that you're the person in the corner with your phone just looking at your phone because they are quite overwhelming there's a lot of us and everybody sort of knows everybody so I, I like to make people welcome as well so that for me was just how do I want to be treated as well to go to these things I also think moving from Australia to the UK helps you just get over that because there's no comfort blanket for me in the UK, if you know what I mean. Like right. I didn't have a blanket to fall back on. So I was like, you just sort of got to get out there and try. So yeah, I hope I'm approachable and you know, maybe we need to have a tagline like hug a supplier every now and then. But you know, it seems to be, yeah, that's for me, it's really important because it's helped me build out and work out through best practices and know who industry experts are that I can go to. Not only supplier, but buyer, my little buyer group, they know who they are. So, yeah. Sure. And at time of recording, you have just been recognized with a glittering award, uh, an industry uh, ceremony. How did that feel? And what did it mean to you? Um, Besides wanting to burst into tears, then wondering how I was going to get the stairs in my heels, and then having a slight height problem, um, thinking I was going to be much, much taller. But Dara brings a six foot four, so it worked out very well. It was very overwhelming, to be honest. It's an industry award from peers, and those peers, uh, those people are all amazing, and then the nominees are all amazing. And you work very hard, so to get that, I've worked very hard for the last few years trying to change my program, get things done, move things forward. So just that recognition has been amazing. And then just the internal going, 
wow, amazing. We do this for a support service as well. So it's been very overwhelming. Yeah. Still not sunk in. Big congratulations. Thank very, you. very popular win. So let's get into the um, the subject of the podcast today, which is really how you mobilize your contacts inside and outside the company uh, to get things done with your travel program. And um, Travel programs are all structured in different ways. Just help our audience understand, how do you organize sourcing versus contract management in EA? So I am responsible for sourcing and contract management. So when I talk about full ecosystem, that is it. So I have valuable partners. We have processes and audits and everything that needs to go through. I am... While I'm responsible for getting the contracting done, I'm not a signature, which is probably a very wise thing. For me, it puts checks and balances in place. So we've got approval processes and things to go through, but everyone does it a little bit differently. Contracting for me is hard. It's hard work. It's hard understanding all that language and having that. So having a great legal partner who can help and work through and see what that is. I have legal partners in multiple countries. That's just the way that we're structured. And then being able to get the right approvals for things that you need to do. So your financial controller partners, all of those steps that you need to go through, it's super important. So internally knowing who you need to go to to get things done when it needs to be done and allowing yourself the time to do that because giving yourself a week when you've got to deal with five or six different people doesn't help. So from a supplier point of view, I think that's sometimes the biggest challenge that they don't understand is that you might give me a contract and you want it back in two weeks, but the hoops that you must go through, people are on holiday. You need to build in time to how you work with a person like myself because it's not just that one contract that I would be working on. I currently am working on four airline contracts at various different stages around the world. Those all take time. I imagine you have to be super organised and we're really keen to get you on the podcast to talk about this. I think there'll be many buyers that recognise the situation of being a, a much smaller or even a one-person team. And it's one thing being a one-person team, another doing contracting and sourcing yourself. And you mentioned working with suppliers, therefore they've got to understand uh, the way you're working. How, how well do they do that? Sometimes very badly. Cold call emails, calling you out of blue, saying, can I speak to the person who's responsible for travel? That still happens. Other people just assume I look after just their function. So maybe just the airlines or just hotels. I have a saying, which I don't know how this makes me sound, but I'm too busy to lie. So if you are a hotel in Vancouver and we have a few of them, they get told exactly the same information. So they all know who they're up against because it just helps me so much mm. to be open in that way. I will tell you how busy I am. And it's your choice then whether you believe that or not. If I'm telling you I can't speak to you for six months, I truly can't speak to you for six months because there are other priorities and you might be one portion of a very large program of internal projects. And internal is always more important than external. I think I'd put you in the category of straight talking buyers, Natty. Would that what? be a fair comment? No, that, that, no never. Never, Scott. And I'm always going to beat around the bush, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget, um, <laughs> when, when you have a conversation with someone in a business context and you say, would you mind if I am blunt? Nobody ever says, no, please sugarcoat this and take some time. It, to, it, that, that <sighs> people like to hear it straight, don't they? It, do you know what? It saves us all a lot of time, really. I can't do it. Or, you know, I really want to know about your product, project, whatever you're working on. But from my point of view you are a good fit for my program in 18 months. That's, we've got to plan out, you know, I have a budget and it's set for a year. I don't get any more money. So if you come to me in January, 2021 for something that you want to do in April, 2021, I'm going to be like, dude, you missed your chance. Like that'll be 2022 
before I can talk to you if it's going to cost us money of what that looks like. People structure their programs differently. Some are self-sufficient. They will use their commissions and rides to help fund their program in different ways. Everything that we do is about saving money for the business at the front end. So, you know, it's not about rebates bringing back into the function. It's about what are we giving to our travellers to get to a point where we're at a travel program that they love and they want to use, right? The voice of your customer, your traveller, your travelling and your admin population. We travel as a support service. The day that I realised and recognised that EA is a wonderful company, we have amazing people who do wonderful things. If you've seen the, the games that we make, beautiful pieces of art, they don't do travel. They don't need to do travel. That's why they have me and that's why we have a TMC which is an extension of our EA travel program and our branding of program. So the day that you realize that you're the support service and everything you need to do is about how those people can do their job better, changes your life. You're just like, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cog in a wheel here, but if I do my job well, people will trust and they will come to me and I will be part of this organization to help us succeed. And I think one of the reasons why your program and your uh, amazing achievements within it have been recognised. Is it the branding? It's very strong, isn't it? You've really developed the program into something which is very recognisable in the company. What 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 has the branding of the program done for you? We've just done a survey, and I think getting stuff out and getting responses to surveys are better if it's a maybe a faceless thing. But it's not faceless. It's we we did it as the EA travel team. There is now an ongoing joke within our, within people who know me that the EA travel team is Natalie, but we, we refer to it as the EA travel team. But to that point, the agency... You could have won team of the year exactly, as well. Exactly, yeah. right? Could yeah. have, I could be team of the year, right? Amazing. To that point, our agencies are not labelled. You know, it's EA Travel Americas, it's EA Travel Australia, it's EA Travel Europe. It's very important to us that they are an extension of the programme and the brand and they get what we are trying to achieve through the pillars and the strategy that we have and we've been able to develop. Lots of things, no doubt, to reflect on in your time at EA. What are you most proud that you've achieved? Being able to ask for help, which sounds really odd, right? Because you're a team of one, but being able to go to a point where going, I get that this is really important. So that actually the ask at the time was... I own the travel policy. Well, I don't. Well, I'm I, I'm the writer of the travel policy, and it's sponsored at a very senior level in our organisation, which is really helpful. But it was really long, and I own something that I didn't write. It, I, it was inherited, and then when you have people come to you and ask for questions, and I'm just like, this doesn't mean anything to me. And actually, does it work? And does it work? And this was a couple of years ago. Now, this is probably three and a half, four years ago. We started this journey, and. We ordered it. We got Festive Road in. I asked for help. I was like, we need a better policy, but does it work? What do we need to change? So we worked with Festive Road on the project, and it actually helped us bring in different aspects and change it and then move to shorter and policy of a page and all of these things. And these have taken years. And so being able to ask for help to say, I'm a person of one, while I can go to peers, actually having somebody who's got industry knowledge to come in and assist and then go to other peers as well and get their opinion made such a difference and has helped how we can articulate what we do better as well. So I think I'm not one usually to ask for help, but you just have to get to a point where you're just like, actually, this is just too much. Mm. 
I need help. I think that's an important message for our listeners <laughs> as well, that it's brave sometimes to get help and it's good to not be the smartest person in the room. I speak as someone who's never been the smartest person in any room. I but don't believe that. It's, it is important, isn't it, to, to use experts and to deploy them to help everything work that much better. Yeah, and I think as well, but making sure that those experts are a cultural fit to you. You know, I mentioned Festival Road, there are a lot of other consulting companies out there um, we have conversations with them. If I was at a different organization, would Festive Road be a fit? Maybe not, right? Maybe it would be whoever else is out there. You know, shout out to Nina Pinto. Asking for help, getting that in, getting that organization and expertise in is, is super important. And you can't just rely on the goodwill of networking to do that sometimes. These projects are often in-depth, long, lengthy you can't just be sending out an email every week to your group of contacts going, so what do you recommend about this? What do you recommend about that? Right? They will love me for sending them emails, of course, but they're not necess- they've got their own jobs to do. And that's when it becomes important to share as well oh. as it's going right, because we, we share and we learn together in the, in the business travel community. So I think um, sometimes we, we forget what we can offer others in return for their help. And I think that that's what's really important to me as well as being that sharing and being able to, if you want to have a conversation with me as a buyer and say, what's, I, I can't show you anything by email, I won't, it's all confidential, happy to have a chat with you, see what's going on, see how I can help, what advice I can give you, that's more than happy to sort of offer that support because it is, it's a, just a support. Sometimes we just need a good counselling session. Sometimes it's good to know that you're not the only person <laughs> with that challenge, <laughs> exactly right? Exactly yeah. right. I think we all forget, we all think it's the, that we're all having the challenge and it's just like, no, we're all having the same challenges. Yeah. So obviously with um, a small amount of resource available to you, I imagine the role of the TMC is just ever more important and the role of the TMC continues to evolve. What, what do you look for in your, in your relationship from your TMC going forward? Where does their responsibility end and yours begin, vice versa? That's a really good question. And I think having good account management, valuable account management is super important to any program. I also believe that you sometimes need to pay. For, oh no, I do believe you, you need to pay for good account management. You know, if you feel that your TMC is going to be able to support you in the five percent or ten percent of allocation in a year, and you're a one-person show, that is not that is not realistic. There is a lot of stuff that needs to go on. But I would also say it goes beyond account management. It's about having an understanding with and a relationship with your consult with the consultants who work on your program we're fortunate enough that we have dedicated teams around the world which help um further support our message to our suppliers it makes it easier to support preferred suppliers preferred hotels when you've got people who just are servicing your travelers it gives them they're more of a knowledge bank so understanding what that has done to our program team leaders right contacts all of those things those who's going to support your travelers for customer care out of hours all of that because I don't I'm not the lady who books the tickets which is often where we get to this point you're the lady who does travel so you must be the lady who also books the tickets so (laughs) no that's the TMC but they add more value to that I'm fortunate enough to know my program well and where I need to achieve and what I'm trying to improve but having them come and say you know we recommend you can do this or that as well is is valuable you know they bring a different perspective a different piece of knowledge um, but I think the biggest challenges in industry we face is that account managers don't get to network and be part of these events as much as the salespeople do and actually the knowledge bank that we need as buyers is the account manager not the sales team right good point 
And so on that subject, how do you decide, given your constrained time, which events you attend and groups you get involved in? Obviously, that's ITM every single time. Um, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to join, to be asked to participate in GBTA ladders, actually coming on for four years. So I've gone from being a, a mentee to now a mentor. So I'm now mentoring, I'm a joint mentor with Jason Beckman from Airbnb. Shout out, Jason. And now being able to mentor people and give back in that way. And that's a really different way of learning. So I will probably do two conferences a year if I can if they fall into a budget because obviously everything comes down to cost and then I will pick probably four or five ITM days that I can attend to that I will then build out to what I really enjoyed last year was the webinar format because it meant that I could do something in my lunch break right. and still be learning so that's how I try and do that is to do a little bit of webinar stuff uh, there's a lot of organizations that help do that learn and keep in front so it's about trying to keep in front of what's going on in the industry to keep your subject matter knowledge up because you are the expert within your organization. So that's the time. And we can't all sit down and read magazines all day, every day now, right? So it's those short snippets of information that we get. And that's certainly feedback we get ITM that people are time poorer than ever. So consuming educational um, resources on demand or in their own time is, is becoming really useful. If you think of how we've changed for Netflix and Amazon on my, you know, I can look at my mm. podcasts as I go. I can do my shows when I'm on the train. If I need to, I should be working, but I'm obviously watching my shows on my phone. But, you know, the, the way that we consume content and it, it's very interesting because it's how we sort of think about how are you are going to consume content even as a company, because, you know, we make digital entertainment. What does that look like? So for me, it's about, okay, yeah, how do what we do, how does where we get our content from align with what we're trying to help our customers have an experience with as well. So right. it's very interesting. So a final comment on the way you organize your time. Sure. I know you work from home, but you also, being a global travel manager, you are almost a 24-hour person because you're working across time zones. How on earth do you juggle that? Very interestingly, I suppose, <laughs> um, I'm fortunate enough that I have an office if I need to go into an office in Guildford, but I actually spend most of my time in headquarters, in which is San Francisco. I get to travel to other offices as and when projects are needed. It's not very often, but I would say that I'm probably on a plane every sort of eight weeks at this point in time. Um, so when I'm at home, my diary is very important to me. I have a rule if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. So um, I'm very organized. Things like calendars, using G Drive, Google Drive, all of those sorts of things, being able to work on the go across multiple platforms has to help me. Like even last night I was on the train doing something on my phone on a Google document working with somebody because it was the only time that I had left to do that. So it's being able to manage what's important, set people's expectations as well mm. around things and not set unrealistic expectations of timeframes. So not saying that you can deliver something in a week because our job is we are problem solvers at the end of the day. We're here to help people solve problems and we get daily problems coming up. And it's very rarely that your day will be as you set it out at eight o'clock in the morning for what my day is going to look like. By 12, it's usually gone out of the window. So, yeah. So I'm going to ask a cheeky question. Yeah. Um, and this is not uh, sort of aimed at your line manager. <laughs> I'm thinking about more how suppliers can help you. If you could hire a person mm. to work with you in your team, what would you have them do? Oh, my God, I'd go on holiday um, and they'd be left alone. No, only joking. <laughs> um, this, this isn't going to help our cause. No, Natalie, it's not no, going to no. help anybody, right? It's, you know, it would probably be taking over a little bit more of the operational 
bits that we get you know companies have <laughs> things like soft dollar benefits so being a US, you know US agreements for airlines are run differently than European different so you've got soft dollar benefits that you need to have we've got communications we've got an intranet site that constantly needs updating we've got partners that we need to work with to make sure that our office information is up to date uh, working at better ways to communicate so probably a bit more of a communication role policy support role so really sort of being the face of that program to those travelers because there's a lot of more a, a lot more strategic stuff that I need to get involved with with supporting businesses business partners what does that look like with how travel falls into those roles so yeah that's where I would go to first and foremost and then probably move into things like here here's the hotel program <laughs> So last question about the, the program itself. Uh, you have very big events, launches and, and shoots and all, all kinds of things. How, how do you interact with uh, meetings and events at EI and where is, where is responsibility for that? So for all the suppliers out there, uh, the official line is EA does not do meetings and events. Uh, <laughs> um, we will find you if we need you. We have a wonderful global events team who does put on the most fabulous launches games events and they do a wonderful job and they have partners and if they need assistance they will reach out to us we facilitate in the travel of getting people to those events but i am the travel person i'm not the meetings and events person at this point in time so and if it was we then have a very fine line between internal and external as well so those wonderful events that they spend so much time on nothing to do with me Nice and clear. Yeah. So also, I'll just continue on that theme. I know sustainability is the, the, the main emerging priority for travel teams. Mm-hmm. Um, every program has to look at ways that it can act responsibly, travel responsibly. What, what are your key focuses in EA? What are you looking at primarily right now? So we've started with the questions. Just you need to ask the questions. What does that look like for us as a company? We are a green company we want to be as green as we can be we're currently doing a lot of data digging how do we support but for us as well it's about sourcing a good supply chain it's not as simple as potentially saying you can't get on a plane or maybe carbon offsetting for me it's not that simple again that's a Natalie opinion it's not an EA opinion I believe that we all have a responsibility. So it's about talking through that supply chain. Do we need the tiny little hotel bottles, you know, shampoo, conditioner Mm. bottles? You know, what does that look like from the environment? Talking through with your suppliers what that looks like in regards to the waste that they're trying to reduce. How do we then, as a program, help with relevant messages? You know, I think for me, people want to do the right thing if they have the right information and they need the right information at the right time to help them do the right thing. If you were booking a flight where there is an alternative for a rail solution, as there is in a lot of places in Europe, if if our booking tool doesn't allow you to do that, as a company, we're not assisting you to help. We're not assisting you to make the right decisions on that. So we need to relook at just how we're getting information to people to help them make better decisions to sustainability. So for us at the moment, it's truly just looking at what are our airline partners doing what are our hotel partners doing are we asking the right questions what does it look like for our people you know i often say if you're in china and you're ordering a cheese pizza is that the best use of you know sustainability is beyond a plane it's also food chain it's also it's all of those other things that we need to look at as well so yeah it's a hard thing to work through there's protocol changes GHG do you look at stuff with radiation you know all of these things that we need to know on top of airline sourcing and hotels and I know about 
per diems in Romania and, you know, holiday laws in Russia and all of these things that we need to try and assist when you're building out things like global programs and global travel programs. So sustainability is one of those things. And as a company, it's a really important thing for us. We will continue to look at that as we go and travel will align as we need to. And it seems like sustainability is the ultimate subject for peer-to-peer networking because there's so much to be learned from each other out there. Sustainability and well-being and wellness, I will say as well, is quite important and how people are doing that. For me as well, when you come back to the well-being piece, it is personal. You know, your well-being is also personal, but how as a company are you assisting your travellers when they're away? You know, as as simple as giving somebody a gym? Maybe not, but, you know we talk about events and people going well we're gonna we're gonna take away the cups i'm like great and we're all gonna have reusable water bottles great where we're gonna get the water from because you then only putting in if there's no way then to fill it up and then we're having to bring in extra bottles of water to keep filling up water bottles is it's just like we're creating a bit more of a problem so i think sometimes it's looking at it from a very simplistic point of view um you know technology getting rid of paper how do we get to just some of those basic things and just asking people do they recycle right you know those are very simple things natty we're almost out of time oh my god so what it's time for us to wrap up with our repeating questions <sighs> okay. to all of our esteemed guests and the first one is as a pretty regular business traveler yourself what kind of things do you do to take care of yourself on the road in the air do you know i travel to the west coast quite regularly and i've found that the best way for me to succeed is to get the last possible flight that i can direct all the time and i will literally roll off that plane have a shower have something to eat and go to bed um so it's just about being able to then wait i will yes i will be probably up at 5 a.m um but i will then be as close to being on that time zone as i can I've actually started going to the gym, what? Um, which is the, probably the only time I go to the gym is when I go to the US because it just gives me a little bit of time just to be in a place and be myself and listen to my music and not be at work. But otherwise what we do is we get off a plane, we go to the office, we might go out for dinner, we go to the office, we get back on a plane and we come home. So there's not a lot of other, so just having that little bit of time. Also, if I'm there for a longer period of time, my trips can be anywhere up to 10 days. I actually go and stay at a place with an apartment. So not an Air, we I don't have an Airbnb as part of our policy currently, but we have some serviced apartment sort of hotels, residence in those sorts of things. I can cook my food, I can have a salad, I can feel a little bit more normal. So that's how I do that. And lots of water, of course. Good advice. I'm finding myself increasingly trading sleep for gym time and wondering which is more valuable. That's a tough one when you're traveling. No, do you know, I would, go with that but then I was like last time I was up and I was in the gym at six and I was like yeah this is better like I was like because otherwise I just sort of lie in bed and I'd be like so yeah no I like the gym at six okay last question Natalie and I always say it's not meant to be morbid but it can come across that way when it's all said and done how would you like to be remembered what would you like put on that headstone that's you assuming that I'm actually even going to go in the ground, Scott. So um, at this point in time, I was going to be... I'm cremated, right? Yep. I want to get you all technical. I'm going to get cremated. But um, still going to mark the spot, Natalie. If, if we're going to mark the spot, it would probably say something like, she was tall. <laughs> you know? Other, that's just very flippant answer. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah right? We need a long but grave, maybe. You'd need a very long grave. That's, why, again, why it's just not going in the ground. I don't like where this is going morbidly once, <laughs> but uh, so much more to you than that. <laughs> um, lived and loved. 
that's probably where I'd go. I like that a lot. Thank you so much, Natalie Thank Gardner, you, Scott, for joining for having us. having me. Really Thank appreciate you. it. And also thanks to our great friends at Clarity for helping us put the podcast together. We couldn't do it without them. And please do join us on the next ITM podcast. <laughs>